Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is January 22, and our chapter is Genesis 41. What a tremendous chapter we have today. I hope you have enjoyed reading this because God is telling the story. When you begin to read, notice the very first verse of 41. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he stood by the river. That's the river Nile. If not the longest, it's argued whether it is the longest, it versus the Amazon River in South America. It is an incredible river. It gives life to northern Africa, and Pharaoh was standing beside it in his dream. But before we get into the dream itself and the unfolding of the story, I want to center in for just a moment on the story that continues from chapter 40. The last time we left each other, we were in verse 23 of chapter 40, yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Now, who gave Pharaoh this dream? Well, you know as well as I do, the Bible says God gave him the dream. In case you're wondering, you can look at 41 and verse 16. Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not me. God will give Pharaoh an answer to peace. Why? Because verse 25. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. And then again, verse 28, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. And then in verse 32, the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is because the very first verse says it was two full years that Joseph was forgotten about in prison. Now, if you listen to everybody today, it seems that has popularity in the modern day evangelical world then you would say, well, all you have to do, all Joseph should have done was just pray, God, get me out of here, and God would have had to have acted. That's just not the way it works. You see, God was preparing Joseph for something great, and that takes time. God was not going to allow Joseph to rule over Egypt until he was 30 years old. That is what chapter 41 says. He was just a boy, 17, when God put him in the fire. And he wasn't baked completely until 
He was 30 years of age, 13 years. He wouldn't have been ready at 28. I have young men get very angry with me, upset with me, don't want to have anything to do with me because I say to them, you're in a hurry. Let God have his time in your life because you see, all you have to do in the evangelical world and in the Baptist world is say, God saved me and called me to preach and immediately you're confronted with, well, then preach. Well, sometimes that's okay to give your testimony and to share a word, but there needs to be mentoring. There needs to be leadership. There needs to be some seasoning and walking with great men of God who are older and wiser, who have been faithful down through the years to help you to season. You see, God is in charge. And for two years, he left Joseph baking in the oven of that prison. But when the time was right now, when God does something, it's going to be great. And after two years, Pharaoh had a dream. Now, all of a sudden, the butler, the cupbearer remembered, oh, you're wanted. all these wise men can't do this. There is a Hebrew slave that was in prison with me, and he told me and he told the baker what happened two years ago and exactly what he said would happen happened when he said it was going to happen because you raised me up and restored me to hand you the cup and to taste your food and to taste your drink before you would eat and before you would drink. And so it was with the baker. Joseph said, your head is going to be severed and you're going to be impaled and the ravens and the birds of the air will peck your flesh, your dead flesh. And that's what happened, Pharaoh. And so immediately the story unfolds. All I want you to see is that many times in our Western culture, in our microwave culture, we want everything yesterday. God doesn't act on our time. God acts on his time. You know why? He knows best we don't. So many times what we need to do when we get in a tiz is just settle down. I cannot tell you how many churches that I have talked to over the years, and they think they have to have a pastor within a month or two or three months, and they will put timelines on when they're going to have a pastor, what age bracket that pastor's going to be in, what color he's going to be, how he's going to look, how many kids he's got. And when you do that, what you do is you begin to say, this is what the surveys show we need. Here is what the agency that we're dealing with says is our need. And in the midst of all that, God may work, but God may want you to fall on your face before God and begin to do some soul searching so that the church is ready to receive whoever it is. Now, I'm all for looking at all of the things that these agencies agencies look for, but what we've got to have in our churches is anointed men of God who are courageous, who will teach and preach the word of God, whatever age bracket they're in. Joseph was 30 years of age when he began to rule Egypt. So here is the sequence of events. The scripture says that the chief butler in verse 9 spoke to Pharaoh saying, I remember my faults this day. He immediately was convicted. 
When Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in other words, he was not in a maximum security prison, neither was Joseph, both me and the chief baker. Now, don't get me wrong. Joseph, according to the New Testament, was in shackles. He had a collar around his neck. His feet were shackled. And I'll let you look up that New Testament reference. I have already referenced it once earlier. The scripture says in verse 11, we each had a dream in one night. He and I, each of us, dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now, there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain, the guard. And when we told him, he interpreted our dreams for us to each. He interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass just as he interpreted for us. So it happened, he restored me to my office and he hanged him. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, shaved him, changed his clothing and came to Pharaoh. You see, if you're going to go before a king, you need to freshen up. You need to get clean. You need to realize you're not just going before a good buddy. You're going before the king. Now, we get the book of Psalms and we get to the united monarchy and the divided monarchy and that period, that first temple period. We're going to talk about this. Then we get the New Testament, the book of Acts. We're going to talk about this because, you see, God wants us to get ready to come and talk with him. If we're going to go to worship, just like they went to the temple, just like they went to synagogue, they didn't go in just ordinary clothes. God taught all the way through Scripture, you need to put on your best, you need to get clean, you need to shower up, you need to bathe. Why? Because you're going into the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now, don't make this more than what I say. You don't have to wear a certain type of garment. You don't have to wear a suit or a tie or a coat or whatever the case is, but it ought to be different than what you wear every day. If you're going to a ball game or you're going to work or whatever, have something that is set aside. There was a day when we understood that in a Western culture, and people had actually what they call Sunday clothes. Why? Because they were different. They were special. Because it was a special day. It wasn't just another day where you go check off something and then go in. I digress. And so here we are. We are now Pharaoh is calling up Joseph from the prison. And it's amazing. It's amazing. In verse 15, he said, but I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. Oh, Joseph, I'm, I'm, I'm just amazed. He didn't back up an inch. So Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. <laughs> I can't do it. Boy, isn't that refreshing? Isn't that refreshing? I see this all the time. You see, most of my conversations outside of the local church are with pastors. And I hear many times an air of confidence which is good and is bad. Years ago, I was dealing in my 30s with one of the largest churches in America. And I was sitting before the pastor search committee, and they said to me, do you think you can pastor and lead this church? Do you think that you are equipped to do this? I said, absolutely not. But God is able to help me. God is able to equip me. God is able to give me what I need. 
Now, either that's true or it's not, because you see, I didn't have the wisdom to lead that great church. I didn't have the wherewithal to lead that great church. And if I rested upon my own initiative and my own talents, in my own abilities, not only was I going to fall flat on my face, but I would have led that church downward. You see, God is the one that enables us. Dr. Rogers, Dr. Adrian Rogers used to say all the time, God doesn't need your ability. He needs your availability. And the reason is God can equip us to do everything that he calls us to do, and he does. Joseph said, it's not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. You see, only God can do it. I'm so glad. Look at Joseph. I mean, if there's any character in the Bible that is admirable, it's Joseph. And Joseph said, well, actually, actually, King, that's above my pay grade. But now I know one who can. God Almighty can do this. And then in verse 25, he again, Joseph said to Pharaoh, these dreams of Pharaoh are one because he had given the dreams that he had had and they were different. One was of stalks of corn, another of grain, and one was of cattle. And Joseph said, these dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. In other words, God is watching over you, Pharaoh. I know you're not a true worshiper of God, but God watches over people that are not even his true worshipers. Listen, there is the grace of God that causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. God is good even to those who do not know him and love him. After all, isn't it what the Apostle Paul said, the goodness of God leads us to repentance? You see, men, it's not always. Ladies, do you see, it's not always pointing out everything that's bad in someone that gets them to the grace of God in salvation. Many times God in his goodness, in his goodness toward them will cause a person to turn. And the same thing is true after we as followers of Jesus come to the place of truly knowing him. When we see God's great goodness to us, many times it causes us to repent. Well, you know the story. God gave Pharaoh these dreams. God interpreted those through Joseph. And in verse 37, Joseph was promoted and the story begins. And the scripture says that even Pharaoh acknowledged the God of heaven. He says in verse 38, to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the spirit of God, that's what he said, the spirit of God dwells in. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, insomuch as God has shown you all of this, Joseph could have said in his own vanity, let me just tell you, Pharaoh, what's going to happen. No, he said, God has to show this. God has shown you this. God, God, God. It was all about God. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. In other words, because of Joseph's life and Joseph's testimony, God was glorified and God was lifted up. And look at verse 42. This is an amazing thing. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off. Now that's his signature. He gave Joseph his signature. You see, a signet ring was something that a man kept on his right hand because that's the arm of strength. That's the hand of strength in the Bible. 
And when he wanted to seal something, he would put wax over it. If it was a letter, there would be a wax seal that would be put around it. Many times, even with documents that had clay rings on them that would then be baked, that ring would be pressed into it. It's the signature, the ancient signature, the signet that was put into wax, and everyone knew that's the king's seal. That's the king's signature. That's the king's signet. And so what he did is he gave Joseph his signature and said, you sign for it, I'll pay for it. Whatever you need, whatever you say, you can put my name to it. He let Joseph speak, and he said, only in the matters of the chair, of the kingship, of me being Pharaoh, will I be greater. But anything, if someone doesn't bow down to you, it's over for them. And so the Bible says that this is how it happened. And he gave him a new name, and that new name means God speaks and he lives. That's an amazing thing. And Joseph was 30 years old. Some of you have said, now, where did you get this Joseph was 30 years old? Verse 46, Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Jesus was 30 when he began his public ministry. The priest, when they became priest, before they could serve as priest in the daily ministry, they had to be 30 years of age. Now, Levite could be 25. David brought it down to 20 so he could get the work done he needed to. But God would not let him lower it below that because age 20 is the age of a man. There's a different accountability and responsibility. So the law was 25 for Levite. You had to be 25 to be a Levite. And then you would be in training. And at age 30, you could be a priest. And so all I'm saying is time. Time. And in time, God did something in Joseph. God gave him a wife, and he had a son, and his name was Manasseh. Manasseh. That's the way you say it. We say it Manasseh, but it is Manasseh. S H E H is the way it would phonetically be spelled. That comes from the word Nasha, to forget. You see, God so did something in Joseph's life that he said, I'm going to do something so positive, you're going to forget the heartache and the affliction. And he gave him a second son, Ephraim. It comes from the root word Afer or Afer, and it's the word for bandage. (laughs) Yes, it means fruitful. That's what Ephraim traditionally means. But he said, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Because he uses the word affair, then it is the word which means in reality, Ephraim's name was God has bandaged my wound with a son and he's made me fruitful. God's put a bandage, a dressing over that wound and affliction. Aren't you glad God is telling us this story because you see for some of us it's our story too oh not like joseph but god has bandaged our wounds with his blessings for on the way this is tony crisp thanks for listening to on the way with tony crisp tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages people places and prophecies fridays are for your questions Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. 
That's questions at TonyCRISP.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.